This episode is brought to you by Kensington's newest title from Lexi George, Demon Hunting with a Southern Sheriff. So, Al, I've mm-hmm. been reading a lot of horror and paranormal stuff lately, and there's this one author I specifically like, but now I have a problem. The problem is that I've run out of those books. I've read them all, and now I have nothing to read. Well, if you like horror and paranormal, then I just happen to have a great book recommendation for you. You should check out Demon Hunting with a Southern Sheriff by Lexi George. (laughs) I am obsessed with that title. Right? It's perfect. It's like a bit paranormal. It's got some romance and it's funny, which is also great, of course. And of course, you know, demon slaying. Gotta love it. (laughs) So what is this book about? What's the story? So, it's about this little town in Alabama, and the residents are all, you know, like, regular everyday people, but there's also some, like, really spooky people that live there, too, and the spooky people tend to like to turn this little piece of Southern comfort into, you know, complete pure chaos. <laughs> so, we have the sheriff, Dev Whitson, and he he knows that, you know, there's weird stuff going on, he knows about the spooky inhabitants and stuff, but then... Like, this crazy, bloody massacre happens in the community, and he gets the feeling that uh, it's going to take a little bit more than just his, you know, everyday man-made weaponry to take down these guys. But he needs some help, so he looks to Arda, the immortal demon hunter and high huntress of the Kravani. And, you know, he isn't too sure about their partnership, but of course, the more time he spends with her, the more he starts to realize, ooh, I might like her. Needless to say, there's a lot of sass, a lot of snark, and some romance in this book because, you know, you gotta have it. But what makes this book so great is that it's actually the sixth book in this whole Demon Hunter series. Mm. So you likely won't run out of stuff to read. You can find Demon Hunting with the Southern Sheriff by Lexi George wherever books are sold. Find out more at kensingtonbooks.com. Hello, welcome to With Beyond Measure. My name's Katrina Mayer. And I'm Elle Kammerer. And today we are talking about Mansfield Park chapters 31 through 34. Yes. Which, just so you know, Katrina, because I know that your book goes in order from chapters 1 to the end. Mm -hmm. Some of our books don't do that. We have what we call volumes, where the chapters reset. What happened? Where does it reset? Right after chapter 31, (laughs) chapter 32 begins volume three. (laughs) Interesting. Yeah. So, right. I I think it's, it it makes sense based on what happens after that first chapter that we started. It's very kind of clearly that break. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I actually didn't notice that either until after I finished listening to the book and I went back through, um, 
and looked at the annotated version because I'm like flipping through the pages trying to find the chapters and I'm like, wait, why does it say chapter two? Chapter what? Oh, it's volume three. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, that is very interesting. Book people, I'm just asking for consistency. <laughs> That's all <laughs> That's we all want. I ask. Oh my gosh. And- and for all of your books to be the same height, if they're going to be part of a like series or a collection, that's the other thing we all ask for. And to stop putting random stickers on stuff, especially if they're not removable. Sorry. <laughs> anyway. Today. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh my gosh. So these four chapters are, I don't know about you, but they were an absolute roller coaster of emotions for me. Like, I was up, I was down, I was like, oh man, I was like shaking, I was like, oh my gosh. There's like stuff in here that is like not in the movie at all. Like, the the spirit of it is in the movie, but like mm-hmm. not as detailed, and it was just like, holy crap, there's just so much. And I, of course, I don't, I barely remember like reading the book from 10 years ago, so <laughs> I'm just like, oh man, it was like reading it for the first time again, and I could just like... What do you mean? I could just... You don't remember. That was the whole premise of this podcast. <laughs> I mean, I like know the beats, but like I don't remember no, I like know. all the details. And I just yeah. like, oh God, I really felt for Fanny. And we'll, we'll get into it. You have the quick recap, so I'll let you start with that. But like, I just really felt Fanny's like pain and her fear mm-hmm. and like all of that, like really mm-hmm. hardcore. Like this was, this was like triggering. This was a triggering a lot. section. Yeah. There's a lot. Um, I would like to sum up this entire section as Henry Crawford doesn't take no for an answer. Uh, He's like, (laughs) no means no. Like we say that everywhere. Here you go. Henry Crawford. No means no. No does not mean keep trying. Like, stop it. Also, Sir Thomas, like, I feel like you also need to kind of understand that no means no. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But let me let me do the quick recap really quick. And there's going to be a lot that I'm not going to necessarily touch on in the quick recap that we're going to get into. So starts off, Henry Crawford comes to Mansfield to tell Fanny the great thing that he did for his for her brother um, when they went to London, which was introduce him to the Admiral. They got all buddy buddy. Turns out William got a promotion to, I believe, Lieutenant. lieutenant. I don't know what any of that means. Lieutenant. <laughs> lieutenant? Lieutenant. I heard lieutenant. That must have been somebody weird reading it because it's legit lieutenant. Okay, cool. (laughs) That helps. That helps. (laughs) Uh, So either way, he got a promotion. Okay, Fanny is really, really happy. And then all within the same moment, she also starts to realize that Henry Crawford has feelings for her and wants to marry her. And she doesn't want that. And she pretty much tells him that kind of sort of, but he just keeps coming over. And eventually, because Fanny won't give him an answer, he goes to Sir Thomas. And Sir Thomas is like, Fanny, Henry wants to marry you. And she's like, no. And he's like, what? And he gets really upset. Mm -hmm. And it's very kind of, it's sad Mm -hmm. at how upset he gets. uh, And it's sad to kind of see how Fanny reacts. Also, Sir Thomas starts to kind of poke and prod and try to determine whether or not Fanny has a crush on one of her cousins. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, he knows. Uh, But he tries to convince himself otherwise. Mm -hmm. Um, And at that point, both Sir Thomas and Henry both decide that they're just going to keep on trying. 
to get Fanny to marry him. Because in all honesty, and this is true, it's a good match because Fanny doesn't have any money. Henry has money. It's a good match, I guess, Mm -hmm. other than the fact that he's a trash king. Yeah. Yeah. Then Edmund comes home and hears of the news and doesn't really do much about it. No. No. Ugh. Um, but he is he is really upset at the fact that Mary is still around um, because he doesn't want to deal with that pain and heartbreak, which is also Henry's fault. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, and then Henry continues to bother Fanny. All of the men in this section were so disappointing for in for different ways. And then we have Mrs. Norris. Oh my goodness. Do we need to talk about oh my her God. and the butler? Oh my, God. oh my God. I know. I know. I know. I know. That is like so juicy. It was so oh, juicy. Oh, there's also a really great annotation in here. Uh, Pretty much when we talk about like, because when they're talking about William, um, Mrs. Bertram is like, oh yeah, I gave him 10 pounds like to help him out. And Mrs. Norris is like, oh, yeah, I totally gave him some money, too. And, like, you know, like, they're trying to compare. And, like, like Mrs. Bertram is like, 10 pounds, that's, like, nothing. And Mrs. Norris is like, oh, my goodness, 10 pounds, that's quite a bit. Like, you're so generous. And she's like, really, it's nothing. And according to a note somewhere, somebody asked Austin to kind of, like, talk a little bit more about that whole thing. And it turns out Austin says that Mrs. Norris only gave William one pound. <laughs> it's like what you give children on like Christmas or whatever. Like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Mrs. Norris has clearly given less, even though she called her gift considerable while Lady Bertram speaks of only 10 pounds. In his memoir, or in his A Memoir of Jane Austen, her nephew states that his aunt, when asked for more information about her characters than is furnished in the novels, she stated that Mrs. Norris gave William one pound. (laughs) (laughs) I love that anecdote. Um, Okay, so I was thinking we could try something a little different. I want to run this by you, see how you feel. So, like... In your summation, it's, like, perfect. Essentially, this whole section is about Henry Crawford proposing to um, Fanny Price and her saying no over and over, like, constantly rejecting Mm -hmm. him. And, like, how the men at Mansfield Park are, like, reacting to this as well, which is not a positive way. That's this whole four chapters, basically. Yeah. I was thinking, instead of doing a chapter breakdown, what if we take it person by person and talk about the main players? So, like... We can combine Aunt Norris and Lady Bertram, Sir Thomas, uh, Henry Crawford, and then Edmund. Yeah. Cool. I'm okay with that. Let's do it. Um, I don't know what order you want to go in, though. Should we well, talk about Henry maybe first? Well, I feel like because Henry kind of spans the whole thing. I think, yeah, I was going to say let's start with Sir Thomas. But just to set this off, um. I'll just kind of go through the series, the the the, the events that they happen. So yeah. Henry comes over with the news and Fanny starts to get the feeling that she knows that he's going to ask her. He's pretty much saying like, oh, hey, I really, really like you. Like, will you give me an answer? Will you give me something? And she gives him nothing. Uh, he's then invited to dinner and more of the same happens. The next day he shows up early in the morning and Fanny does not go down, da- does not go downstairs. She doesn't want to see him. 
that is when Sir Bertram comes to see her. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about Sir Bertram. Yeah. <laughs> we know uh, that since he's been back, he has been, you know, very generous. He's been really nice. He's been kind of proud, I guess, of Fanny and how she's grown into this nice young woman. And uh, then he gets very disappointed. Yeah. So um, I do want to point out, like, really quick, when he comes in to see her in her rooms, because she's hiding from Henry Crawford at this point. Yeah. She doesn't want, mm-hmm. she wants to avoid him. And she's just hiding in there. And all of a sudden she hears footsteps that are very unfamiliar to her. But then she's like, oh, crap. That's my uncle. Oh, crap. He's coming here. He hasn't come to see me in here in forever. And he comes in. And the first thing he notices is, like, why don't you have a fire? Mm-hmm. Very, like, concerned about that. And, like, she mentions, like, oh, my Aunt Norris, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, ugh. You know, he knows how she mm-hmm. treats Fanny. And, like, while he is guilty of it a little bit himself, he realizes that she takes it too far, but also mm-hmm. at the same time, he's like, well, you still have to respect your aunt. Or like, I don't know. Yeah, it, it's it's like Sir Thomas set it up at the beginning when they were going to adopt Fanny. That was like, she's not my daughter. We can't treat her the same. Like there has to be, how is it put in the book here? There has to be an unequal status mm-hmm. with Fanny. But Mrs. Norris took it way too far. She's too vigorous on it, is what the book is saying. Yeah. And that she she just went too far. Even though Sir Thomas is the one that said it initially. Right. So, yeah. But he, in this point, is realizing that, like, he didn't specify that it shouldn't be too unequal a status yeah it just had to be an unequal status yeah he doesn't think that fanny doesn't deserve a fire like she should have the creature comforts like all Mm -hmm. of them just like not necessarily the same advantages his girls have in terms of society but she should Mm -hmm. still be allowed a fire in her room she should still be allowed like certain things Mm mm-hmm now, so the the annotated version says that while admitting to this, he's, you know, clearly trying to, like, remedy this fault that he's set up and, you know, not realizing that Mrs. Norris isn't a terrible person. Um, <laughs> yeah. He assumed that she might treat Fanny with some respect, but apparently not. Um, so while he's, like, doing all of this stuff, it, it shows that he has, like, this decency, this fair-mindedness to him. But... At the same time, it also very clearly shows that he has this, like, distance from his family and he's really unable to really see what's going on. Yeah. Because if he had been closer and not been so distant, he would have seen this years ago. Exactly. And went to remedy it. Yeah, he would have fixed it before he went to Antigua and disappeared for two years where it got worse. Right? Yeah. So, yeah. This distance that he has and this inability to really see and read his family is also one of the reasons why he's really unable to see Fanny's point of view when it comes to Henry Crawford. 100%. And the fact that, like, he let Mariah marry Rushworth against his better... Like, I know Mariah Mm -hmm. insisted upon it. Like, he did give her that out. But, like, he could have done more to, like, persuade her not to. But, like, the attractiveness of being paired with somebody of that status probably overtook his sensibilities to see that his daughter was making a huge mistake. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but <laughs> he's like doing, he's not learning from it because he's doing it again right now with Fanny. Oh, yeah. So he's in the room. They're talking about the fire. He's like having these realizations. He's like, oh, God, what have I done? Okay, well, Fanny, let me come tell you the great news. Henry Crawford wants to marry you. And she's like, I can't. No, please, no, mm-hmm. I can't marry him. And he's like trying to figure out why at first. And she just keeps insisting that it's not a good match. And he's like, but Fanny, like, no one of this wealth or fortune is going to come along again and he's very confused and then he starts to kind of weasel out what you were saying in your recap like are you in love with one of my sons well so (laughs) no he doesn't say that no no what he does instead is like oh pretty much like do you find yourself attached to somebody else yeah but doesn't go any further and she's just like no, 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 no. Because in his mind, it's like the only other people she could find herself attached to would be his sons. Yeah. Because Henry and Thomas and Edmund are the only unmarried men she knows. Yeah. And so he like goes through it because he's like, well, it, Tom, like, or no, he's like going on this tirade about how, how wonderful it is that a man as young as Henry Crawford would want to get married. Men these days should be getting married young. I've always been in favor of men getting married young. Like it's what's the best thing for them. If my son could do that, but obviously he's not. He's like out there fucking ladies left and right. He knows he's not stupid. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, and then the only other person is Edmund. Like Edmund would actually, and then like he stops. And then he like makes the look and he's like, and they drops it at that point. So there's a couple of different places where he is trying to read Fanny and props to Fanny for not letting out her truth because yeah. we all know that she has a crush on Edmund. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's pretty much flat out said in here. Um, yeah, her attachment. She would rather die than own the truth. Yeah, <laughs> which is that so, she loves Edmund. <laughs> young as you are and have seen scarcely anyone... It is hardly possible that your affections dot dot dot. And at that point he pauses and he sees Fanny start to say no, though she doesn't actually say anything, but she blushes. And then it says that, however, in so modest a girl might be compatible with innocence, meaning she's blushing because how dare he assume that she has these affections. So it's just like, she's embarrassed that somebody would even think she has a crush on someone and choosing at least to appear satisfied in that he is choosing to believe that her blush means that she is so innocent. How dare he think that he chooses it? No, no. I know that is quite out of the question. Quite impossible. Well, there is nothing more to be said. That means it is quite unquestionable that you fall in love with one of my sons because we've known from the beginning that that wasn't something that anybody wanted. Uh, Nobody wanted Fanny to fall in love with Tom or Edmund. And this entire exchange here, this whole thing where he's then going on about like uh, Tom and Edmund and everything really sounds more like I don't want you to fall in love with one of my sons. It is disgusting. It disturbs me. It's out of the question. I hate it. Don't do it. Well, I shouldn't say disgusting. I meant to say disturbed. Mm -hmm. Disgusting isn't in here. (laughs) That's just the word that came out of my mouth. So (laughs) take that back. Uh, But he doesn't want this to happen at all. It's not something that he 
he wants to happen at all. So just to confirm what he has chosen to believe, he then goes on to talk about Tom and how Tom is like out there screwing around and everything like that to then see Fanny's reaction. And then he starts talking about Edmund and how he wishes Edmund would get married and that Edmund is more likely to get married young and everything like that. And then again, watches her reaction. And yeah, she's really, really good at at holding back because he doesn't take anything from her, like doesn't get any of the ideas from her or anything like that. He's at the end of this conversation, he believes that Fanny does not have a crush on either one of his sons. Yeah, well, because he also says when he talks about Edmund, he's like, well, I see Edmund likes this other person, which he's talking about Mary Crawford. And he's like, Fanny, do you see that too? And she's like, yes. And that's that's what satisfies him in the end. It's mm-hmm. like Edmund has an attachment elsewhere. And so like even if Fanny had feelings for Edmund, he's taking solace in the fact that Edmund has feelings for Mary Crawford and then mm-hmm. nothing can happen. So out of danger. But then he mm-hmm. has to move on to like figure out once that is settled, he calms down a little bit. Because, like, he, he's up and down in this section. So, like, he calms oh, yeah. down a little bit once he's, like, talked himself out of, like, the possibility of her being in love with his sons. And mm-hmm. he, then he's, like, trying to figure out what what could deter you from wanting to be with Henry Crawford. Does he have a bad temper or something like that? And she mm-hmm. says, no. She doesn't have a problem with his temperament, but it's his she doesn't say it's his principles. She doesn't like talk about all the stuff he saw when he wasn't there because that would implicate Julia and Mariah in wrongdoing. And she's like, well, I'm not going to sell out my cousins. Like, first of all, that's like not fair play. They're not here to defend themselves. But second of all, like how embarrassing to have to tell my uncle all the shit that went down when I can't even talk to him about regular stuff. Yeah. And and I I do want to say that like, I appreciate the fact that Fanny like doesn't throw her cousins under the bus, but at the same time, I really wish that she would say something to kind of indicate, even if she just says something like, I don't know, just like maybe she's heard something about how he is with women or, you know, something. Cause he could, she could always play it off as like something's come up when, dis- when talking with Mary and things like that. But Fanny Price doesn't lie. Well, except for when she doesn't indicate that she's in love with Edmund. Outside of that, she doesn't lie. (laughs) I just feel like she knows that Henry has, Henry's a charmer. He he can Mm -hmm. ingratiate himself to everybody. And he has like ingratiated himself so much to this family that it doesn't matter what she says. And I think she knows that. So what's the point of like throwing her cousins under the bus and creating Mm -hmm. a lot more trouble when she's just going to take it on herself because he's already mad. So, yeah. Well, so um, one of the things the, the book notes, uh, the annotated version notes is that um, Henry really is a charmer and uh, like he has ingratiated himself so much into this family so much so that it's, it's a little odd that Sir Thomas is so, insistent that fanny takes on this marriage especially because he himself has only known henry for about a month or so yeah and uh that just leads us to believe that the only reason why sir thomas even likes him is because he has social status he has money and he has really good 
surface manners and agreeableness. Yeah. Yeah, he really doesn't know anything else about him at all. So, and you would think, I was going to say, you would think that somebody like Sir Thomas, who does seem to care about, you know, his daughters and his niece would think about that and consider, oh, hey, I've only known this guy a month. Like, what is he really like before I'm, you know, have my niece marry him? I think he just is blinded by the fact that someone like this would want Fanny where like mm-hmm. everybody knows Fanny standing. He really wasn't expecting much from her. He was probably expecting at most she'd be a spinster companion for his mm-hmm. wife and like take care of her. And then like whatever, who knows? And I think also he's really dazzled by Henry getting William that promotion. Um, yeah. And like, he's like, ah, he did this for you. And like, he knows that that's no small feat. Although, like, Henry's connection to the Admiral, obviously, like, it wasn't that much of a feat for Henry. But, mm-hmm. like, from an outsider's perspective, that mm-hmm. is no small feat to, like, do something like that. Because he's even like, yeah. Fanny, mm-hmm. I don't even know if I could have gotten him that kind of promotion in any span of time. Like, who knows how long it could have taken someone mm-hmm. like me. And Henry Crawford did this, and he did it for you. Which... And we'll talk about this more when we get to Henry Crawford, but, like, he did it for obvious reasons to, like, get Fanny, but... Yeah, no, Fanny has a lot of... Yeah. Fanny has a lot of emotions around that. Yeah. And Fanny... And and, and to come back to talking about Sir Thomas, like, like Fanny has a lot of emotions around how Sir Thomas is reacting to all of this, too, because, yeah, he is bringing up constantly, like, look at what he did for your brother. Look at what this marriage could do for your family. Mm -hmm. Like he has money. He has social connections. What could this do to your family? And Fanny pretty much just breaks it down to, okay, well, you know, like, yeah, this is a really good opportunity. And if I don't take it, I don't have other prospects. And that means I am going to be stuck here. And that means the Bertrams might start to resent me because it's like, why are you still here? Why are you still a spinster? You could have been off, you know, with Henry Crawford and you could have had all of these things. Uh, And she just starts to realize that, you know, like her future here at Mansfield Park could be worse off because of this. Worse off or like worse than that. But um, so after he's like, after he asks what could possibly be this, what what could possibly deter her from him and her having the internal struggle of not selling out her cousins, there is this, in, in my book, it is like, it's in two parts of the, of the book. It's on different pages. But if you put it together, it would be over a page of him just laying into her all of the upset, like how ungrateful she is. Like, it is just... It is, it was so, so hard to read. He, there's just like a couple parts that I highlighted that like were just particularly difficult. Um, So he's like, he says, For I had, Fanny, as I think my behavior must have shown, formed a very favorable opinion of you from the period of my return to England. I had thought you particularly free from willfulness of 
temper, self-conceit, and every tendency to that independence of spirit which prevails so much in modern days, even in young women, and in which young women is offensive and disgusting beyond all common offense. But you have now shown me that you can be willful and perverse, and that you can and will decide for yourself without any consideration or deference to those who have surely some right to guide you, without even asking them their advice." You have shown yourself very, very different from anything that I had imagined. The advantage or disadvantage of your family, of your parents, your brothers and sisters, never seems to have had a moment sharing your thoughts on this occasion. How they might be benefited, blah, blah, blah. You think only of yourself. And because you do not feel from Mr. Crawford exactly what a young, heated fancy imagines to be necessary for happiness, you resolve to refuse him at once. It's just, it's so sad in these it's just, I don't know, it's really heartbreaking, like, how he, like, says all these nice things about her, and then he takes it all back because of this it, one thing that she doesn't yeah. want to do. And then he brings up, like, Julia and Mariah, and, like, if it, you know, Mariah's off with Rushworth, and, like, that's weird, I'll admit that, but, like, I would have given him to Julia, like. Yeah, yeah, which... Had you been home, dude? <laughs> well, that, none of this would have happened in general. But no. like, but also just, I don't know. Well, it it's like, really, he, you can tell he's mad. He's mad. I don't think, and for me, because of the way he changes again with this section, and like, we'll talk about why he changes because it's not 100% positively motivated. Like, he's not mm. really learning anything from what's happening here yet. Um, but I will say, I feel like he's more angry at the loss of what Fanny could have mm-hmm. than he is mm-hmm. at Fanny refusing him. I mm-hmm. just feel like Fanny has this opportunity and she's not taking it. And that's why he's mad at her. And it gives him no right to berate her like this. Like, mm-hmm. that is triggering. Like, I remember being like, <laughs> you know, you get disappointed speeches from like people in your family. And like, when it's you're a girl and it's like an older man, like. Mm-hmm. It was very triggering. Uh, I just wanted to cry for Fanny. Well, what what got me and what stung me the worst for Fanny was that he calls her selfish. Yeah. And I feel like Fanny is one of the least selfish people in yeah. this entire book, next to maybe Pug. Um, yeah. <laughs> and like, well, she's... She's not necessarily generous because she doesn't have anything to really give. She also doesn't just take for herself either. You know? I know. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's so sad. Like, he just... He has to stop himself, too, when he's berating her. Like, mm-hmm. he, he stops in the middle of it because he's like... Okay, well, I can't make you do anything. You don't owe me anything because you're not my child. But, you know, I thought, I thought you would have, like, done something about this. And, and he only stops when he sees, like, Fanny just crying. Like, she, she's inconsolable at this point. She's just mm-hmm. crying so hard. He's like, okay, I'm mad. But she's crying. I can't take this. So, like, you know, he calms himself down a little bit but fanny's just it's too late like all all the damage has been done and like fanny's sitting there crying and she's just like all of the things that he called me self-willed obstinate selfish and ungrateful he thought her all of this she had deceived his expectations she had lost his good 
opinion what was to become of her. She's not crying because he's yelling at her. She's crying because of all the things that mm-hmm. she's crying because she feels bad, but she mm-hmm. shouldn't feel bad. Like she no, has no she reason to feel guilty, but like how many no. girls, sorry, I'm screaming. How, <laughs> but I'm so mad. Like how many girls throughout all of history have been like yelled at and screamed at in this way for not doing something, not pleasing your family, because that's what's expected of you as a girl. And like, you're not any of the things that they're saying to you. Yeah. I mean, it's, it is the, the struggle of being female. And it's, of course, not our only struggle. But it is a struggle that I think all women have had to deal with at some points. Because, like, even in my family, like, where I didn't have, like, a male figure in my family, I still got the, oh, you're a big disappointment from my narcissistic mother, you know? So it's like, and actually, in my family, the women were worse at this than any of the men were in terms of your disappointment, like, screw you, you're terrible, like, how dare you do this to us? Like, it is... It is something we all have gone through at some point and it sucks. It does. And hopefully it, it, it's like women starting to realize that this is something we've all gone through and, you know, seeing it, we don't take that and then put it on our own daughters. Yeah. We have to break the cycle. You can only control so many people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like I could never, ever see myself doing that to a young girl like my daughter not that I have one or will have one but like I could never do that like I don't think there could be a thing in the world my potential possible child could do that would make me say you are such a disappointment to me how dare you like shame on you because like whatever they do that's what they want to do that's their choice Mm -hmm. you know and I feel like that isn't where Sir Thomas is in this right now. He hasn't realized that, you know, this is Fanny's choice and he needs to respect that. Mm-hmm. And I hope that he gets to that point, especially because we know the end pairing of this and we know how he feels right now about how that end pairing is going to turn out. Yeah. Like, I'm really, I'm I'm waiting to see what happens with Sir Thomas when we get to the point where Edmund and Fanny get together because, like, is this going to be a Mr. Tilney situation is, or a General Tilney situation? Like, what's going on here? Yeah. So. We'll have to see what happens with with the end of the book, for sure. I'm waiting to see how Sir Thomas finally shifts into, if he shifts into, oh, hey, this is Fanny's choice. And it's, you know, I need to respect that. Yeah. To the extent that, you know, he would respect that. I hope. Again, I don't know. Yeah. Um. Well, so... I feel like we're wrapping up Sir Thomas, um, but to to like put the wrap on him because like, you know, she's crying so much. He's like calming down a bit and he just like reminds himself, you know what? Fanny is a young, innocent. Yes, she has been like kept like in this certain state of mind for a long time. This is the first time a man has shown her attention. It's a lot for her. She's like timid. He comes on really strong. I'm just going to like leave it. And maybe with time, she'll realize that this is a great thing and sh- and there'll be no need for fuss. And that's what stops yeah. him. What stops him is the hope that maybe she'll relent if Henry yeah. Crawford keeps trying. 
Yeah. And not that he's like fully encouraging him to try, but he's not discouraging him either. He just right. like lets Henry mm-hmm. Crawford kind of like guide the situation. He's like, I'm not going to say anything to Fanny. Like, it is what it is. Like, maybe if I be nice about it, she'll calm down and like everything will work out. That is what stops him, not Fanny being upset and not wanting to marry him. And it just, it's so problematic. Well, so not only does Sir Thomas decide he's just going to let Henry do his thing and not bring it up and not talk about it or do anything with it. He's also not going to tell the women in the family about it. (laughs) And that's actually a really nice thing to do. Yeah, that is a good thing. Now, now... You would hope that by telling the women, the women would support Fanny, but we know these women. That is not the case. Like, Mrs. Norris would just be completely flabbergasted that Fanny refuses to do this. Well, let's, while we're here, let's just talk about them really quick because I I think that just That was my transition. Yeah, that's so perfect because, yes, (laughs) this happens right now. We know how they'll Mm -hmm. react, but then tell everybody what happens at the end of this section. (laughs) Oh, they find out. He has to tell them. Sir Thomas has to tell them. He does the courtesy of telling Fanny before he tells Mm -hmm. them. And he's Mm -hmm. like, the only reason why I'm doing it is because Henry Crawford is over telling, like, everybody at the parsonage and it's going to get out one way or the other. Mm -hmm. And why don't we just be on top of it, Fanny? Mm -hmm. So, like, at least he does her that courtesy. Like, I feel, and, like, even though he yelled at her and berated her, He still gives her a fire and he still is trying to give her the benefit of the doubt. Like he is trying to rectify and like, I don't care what the motivation is. At least he's doing something like kind for her. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (sighs) So the women of the house. The women. Uh, The the, the aunties. The aunties. Oh my gosh. Um, So Mrs. Norris finds out and she is very upset because she really wanted Julia to marry Henry Crawford. She's pissed just because, not because Fanny refused, but because she was made an offer. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Very much so. She is very much like, how dare he ask Fanny Not even how people. dare he. How dare how you, dare Fanny? How dare you attract him? What? Uh-huh. What are you thinking? I knew you shouldn't have given her that dress, Sir Thomas. <laughs> yeah. And I believe, because in all honesty, as soon as I heard that Mrs. Norris was pissed, I'm not going to lie, I kind of checked out. But I believe that Mrs. Bertram is kind of excited at the idea to the point where she's going to give Fanny one of her dog's puppies. Yeah, that line that's <laughs> that's in there, and this is more than I did for Mariah, when Pug has a litter, you'll have a puppy. That line is legit in the movie, but like in a different part, but it's just like... <laughs> Like I could hear her saying it, and uh, yeah. I mean, at least she's gonna get a puppy. That's good. All, all, um, Aunt Bertram can talk about is like, you know, it was the ball. It was a ball. I guarantee that's where he first mm-hmm. fell in love with you. Thank God I sent Chapman to you. Thank goodness. Like, mm-hmm. and it's like, oh, Fanny, Henry likes you. Oh, you are pretty. You must be pretty. I was really pretty, so you must be pretty. How great. We're such a pretty family. Yeah, she, it's just like, it lifts her spirits. She's so, like, entranced with this whole, like, romance. Like, it's like she's reading a romance novel or something. She's just so excited. What it is, is she's reliving her youth. Because if we remember Mm -hmm. the three sisters, like, 
they weren't like in squalor, but they weren't like really wealthy. And it was her beauty that attached her to Sir Thomas mm-hmm. and like his wealth. And she's like, oh, look, Fanny takes after me. She doesn't say it, but like that's like the yeah. vibe you get. It's like, oh, Fanny's taking after me. Oh, how wonderful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Fanny's yeah. like, well, aren't you sure you're going to need me, aunt? You need me to help you do. You don't want me to get married, right? And she's like, oh, no, I want you to get married if it's somebody <laughs> like this. <laughs> Which just makes Fanny feel worse about the fact that, like, she's going to say no and she's going to be stuck here and her aunt is eventually going to be like, well, you could have mis- you could have married this rich guy, but no, now you're stuck here with me and now you have a dog. Uh- <laughs> oh, poor Fanny. Okay, so. Can we talk about Mrs. Aunt- Norris? Yeah, I was going to say, can we talk about her and the butler? Yeah, well, I was gonna- yeah. Okay. So Mrs. Norris hates this idea uh mrs bertram likes this idea uh but then oh my goodness uh let me find my tab before they find out though like this is like when so henry crawford comes over multiple times to like try to convince fanny to marry him which is like henry crawford no means no Mm -hmm. but he like keeps doing it and this is before aunt norris knows that he's made a proposal so to set it up um they're having breakfast. Henry Crawford comes over. He's talking to Sir Thomas. And then the butler comes in where Aunt Norris and Fanny are eating breakfast. And he's like, hey, Fanny, Sir Thomas wants to see you. The butler, whose name is Badly. Badly. Yep. And Mrs. Norris is like, stay, Fanny, stay. What are you about? Where are you going? Don't be in such a hurry. Depend on it. It is not you that are wanted. Depend upon it. It is me looking at the butler. Of course he would want me. And then Badley's like, no, ma'am, it is Miss Price. I am certain of it being Miss Price. And there was a half smile with the words, which meant I do not think you would answer to the purpose at all. (laughs) Badly knows what's going down. Like, you can't keep anything from your butler. And he's just like, yeah, Mrs. Norris, this young guy don't want you. (laughs) So Mrs. Norris, who frequently tries to dictate or interfere with the servants, is undoubtedly very unpopular among them. Normally, however, their position means they cannot argue or answer back. So Badly probably relishes in the opportunity to confound Mrs. Norris while strictly performing his duties. Which is very clearly stated by the smile. I love it. I love it. I don't think you could get a bigger fuck you. I know. To Mrs. Norris. It's like just so subtle, but it's so good. Um, So just like one more Mrs. Norris thing really quick um, while we're on okay. that topic. Um, So prior to like badly getting his, you know getting Mm -hmm. that stab in um they're having dinner the night before and you know fanny had been upset again and sir thomas was like go for a walk in the shrubbery like clear your head you know get out get some air it was like after like the big Mm -hmm. i'm disappointed in you speech and so Mm -hmm. he's like just go do that fanny like it's fine and then they're all at dinner and mrs norris is there mrs norris is like fanny went out today well why didn't fanny come to my house like I needed her to run this errand. I'm so busy all the time. She could have run this errand for me. How dare you, Fanny? And Sir Thomas is like, shut the fuck up. And he's like, no, I told her to go into the shrubbery. Like, I told her what to do. She was following my orders. And mm-hmm. she's like, well, Fanny should have just thought of it. Yeah. <laughs> he's just like. Uh, which, 
I'm so sorry, but that right there just screams things that like my aunt would say, like, you should have just thought of it. Like, you should have just considered me. Like, like, even though you were doing something else that had absolutely nothing to do with me, how dare you not think of me in this moment? And I was just like, that triggered me. Yeah. That whole thing triggered me. But it was, Sir Thomas was like, the garden is drier right now. So I sent her to the garden. <laughs> Sir Thomas, you clearly don't know how dry it is between here and my house. <laughs> what the fuck? He's, he's like, trying to, like, show respect because, like, you know, he can't knock her down in front of Fanny because mm-hmm. then, like, Fanny might start not showing her respect. Like, not that she would, but, like, this is his thought mm-hmm. process because mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. always has been. And he's, like, trying to change the subject and she won't let it go. It's Mm-mm. he. And he's just like, what, what, why am I here? I'm going back to Antigua. I can't do this. (laughs) (laughs) So I think we should next talk about the elephant in the room, which is Henry Crawford. Yes. Because I feel like the Edmund situation can wait until the end. I agree. Because it's not that long. No, and he's at the end, mostly. Okay. Yeah. And we can kind of talk about a little bit about him while also talking about Henry. Mm -hmm. So... So, yeah, this whole thing starts off with Henry coming in and being like, hey, look at this promotion I helped your brother get. Like, I did this really awesome thing. And yeah. Marry me? (laughs) Please? (laughs) Uh, My sister's really into it. (laughs) Oh, my God. He it's a crimson pink situation. (laughs) It's crimson pink, guys. I think we've already established that that's the film, not the book. <laughs> oh my god, it's Crimson Peak. No, I regret having you watch that film. <laughs> Everything's Crimson Peak now. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sorry. Anyway. Anyway. Uh, so, yeah. Henry. <sighs> He's just there. All the time, as often as he can be, flirting, not taking the hint. Like, Fanny is very clearly, like, avoiding conversations with him, not replying to him, looking to start conversations with other people, physically turning away from him, trying to get up and walk away from the table. And he grabs her hand and moves her back, which is actually what she does um, when he first comes by and she's really excited about this news. She hears... So he comes over and it's Fanny and Lady Bertram eating breakfast and Lady Bertram goes to leave. So then he or Henry and Fanny can be in the dining room talking about this promotion that William got. And she hears uh, Sir Thomas in the hallway talking to a servant and she's really excited and she wants to go and share the news. He takes her hand, which is not cool because, first of all, he is grabbing her and touching her and moving her without her consent but also just like at the time like touching hands with another person unless you were like assisting them aka the hand scene in pride and prejudice like he got away with that shit because he was assisting her into the carriage and then freaked out um (laughs) henry was not doing any of that so like he shouldn't have grabbed her hand uh, but he grabbed her hand and pretty much like physically moved her back to sit down Mm -hmm. and at that moment she's like oh shit he wants to talk to me about other stuff uh he's touching my hand uh fuck i need an adult 
<laughs> yeah. And actually, like, it did not occur to me until, like, I was going through my notes that he, like, that they were alone in this room together. I thought that Lady Bertram was there the whole time. No, she left. She's no, like, she left. Tell, servant, tell my husband that he's, that Henry Crawford's here. Yeah. Which, you don't do that. Like, so it just kind of shows, like, how, like, totally detached she is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I also feel like it shows, like, she could never, maybe she could, like, never think that there could be anything between her, between Fanny and Mr. Crawford, maybe, also. But I think, I feel like it's more that she's just detached and doesn't think about yeah, those she doesn't things care. at all. Yeah, no. Yeah. No. But, so, one of the things that we, we get in these chapters is we get Henry's thoughts and feelings and we get Fanny's at the same time. So we get Henry's being like, oh, she can't go away from me right now. I can't, you know, you know, come back, come back. And then he pulls her down and then Fanny's just like, oh, fuck uh yeah <laughs> like so we're getting these conflicting feelings here but yeah it's like right from that moment she starts to realize oh he likes me and he's going to ask to marry me not even that like he basically flat out asked her in that breakfast note yeah, and she I'm said i'm trying no. to find that yeah um so like just to like go through his timeline just really quick is he comes over, tells the news about William, says he's in love with her, she leaves. She tries to avoid him. He gets invited back to dinner, and he's mm-hmm. trying to make conversation with her, and she's, like, trying to deter him. He gives he gives her a letter from Mary, his sister, and Mary's basically like, oh, great, we're going to be sisters. Congratulations. I'm so glad you're mm-hmm. engaged to my brother. And she's like, the fuck? <laughs> I didn't say any of this. And she has to write back to her, and it's, like, really mm-hmm. weird and awkward. And so she gives it to him to give to her and then after that he leaves and then that's the next day sir thomas comes up and is like i heard Henry crawford did this and like all that happens and he's like well fine i can't keep him away from it forever you're gonna have to talk to him at some point and then he comes back and like he like that's the breakfast scene with mrs norris and like she gets mm-hmm. called in so he goes into the room it's Henry crawford there and again they're alone they're alone mm-hmm. again and, like, that whole section is him begging her to marry him. And, like, mm-hmm. he, like, it's, like, saying all these nice things about her to her, all this. She keeps saying no. He, like, goes into it more deeply. She keeps saying no. And then he pulls out the big guns. He's like, well, look what I did for your brother. It's just yeah. like, oh. Which he no. actually kind of, no, he doesn't bring it up. But at, in that first breakfast scene, Fanny starts to put those pieces together. She's like, oh, he did this great thing for William and he wants me to marry him. Like, is he going to hold this against me? Is this is this something I owe him because of what he did for William? So that's where I was getting at. Like, there's this whole like thing internally with her at the beginning of this. And then Sir Thomas brings it up. Mm hmm when he's berating her yep. and then yeah he like we come again. into this next scene and yeah. yeah and he's and it's just so interesting because fanny has this internal dialogue where she's just like all of this is only to make me forget about what he was he was no longer the mm-hmm. mr crawford from the theater he was no longer the mr crawford courting julia he was no longer the mr crawford like flirting with mariah now he's the Mr. Crawford who gets promotions for my brother. Like, Mm -hmm. you you can't... (laughs) She's like, you can't... One good thing can't replace all those bad things. 
Well, and the sad part is, is that going back to what we were saying about Sir Thomas is that Sir Thomas has only seen these good things. Mm -hmm. So like she and she literally doesn't have anybody else to talk to about this or to kind of see her point of view in this, because the only other person that knows about all of these terrible things that she could talk to is Edmund and he's not there. Yeah. So he's like, okay, fine. You know what? You know what's going to like get you to like me? Absence. Absence makes the heart grow fonder. So peace out, yeah. Fanny. I'll give you a break for a little bit, but I'll be back. So I want to talk a little bit about Henry and just how he keeps taking these no's and turning them into maybes yeah. or pieces of Fanny that he's attracted to mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And it's just like over and over and over again, all of these notes is like, well, it's, it's her, you know, her good nature. It's her being, you know, this, this innocent person and stuff like that. And it's really annoying, dude. Just take no for an answer for fuck's sake. I know. So he goes away thinking, okay, if I give her a break, maybe she'll come around. And Sir Thomas is like, well, I'm not gonna, I'll, I'll wait to see what happened. And the next day comes along and Sir Thomas goes up to Fanny. He's like, so how did yesterday go? <laughs> She's like, I'm mm-hmm. not marrying him. Like, <laughs> Sir Thomas, no means no. <laughs> yeah, seriously. She's like, I can't. She's like, I know he's paying me a great compliment. I, I feel undeserved, undeservedly honored. But I am so convinced, like, it will never be in my power. It She gets cut off, but she's like, I'll never be able to accept him. And he's mm-hmm. like, he's like, stops her. He's like, because he doesn't want her to spiral again. He's like, <laughs> you know what? No, no, no. Don't worry. Don't worry about it. You know what? It's okay. I believe you. I believe you, Fanny. And I will say no more about it from this hour on. Mm-hmm. If your inclinations change, great. Just let me know. But you know what? I, I'm just going to leave you. I'm going to leave you to Everything's cool. It's cool. It's like he's backing away from like a ticking yeah, time. Yeah. He's like, it's cool, Fanny. <laughs> it's cool. Don't freak out. <laughs> It's okay, it's okay, don't cry, don't cry, don't cry. Uh, okay. But then he also goes in, like, while he's still saying, like, okay, Fanny, I believe you. It's fine. I'm not gonna force you. I'm not gonna force you. I can't force you. Mm-hmm. I won't do it. Um, but you know, think about like Mr. Crawford trying to convince you, like, no man like that would ever take the pains to like do this. Like, he even though like you don't want him and you think yourself incompatible like look at all that he's doing therefore just so you know fanny like all of this is at his own risk i'm staying out of it you're gonna see him i'm gonna let him see you but (laughs) that's it (laughs) and it's just like no sir thomas what you need to do is tell henry to go away forever that's the correct thing to do but you're not Mm -hmm. you're just Mm -hmm. letting him keep coming in and distressing your niece even more Mm-hmm. And if you perhaps did tell Henry Crawford to go fuck himself and leave, then maybe he and Mary would leave the area and then Edmund wouldn't have to see Mary when he comes home. Yes. So let's go ahead and transition to Edmund because all that happens at the end of that section is like they tell the ants and we've already talked about them. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. chapter 34, which was the last chapter for this section, starts off that Edmund had great things to hear on his return. So great. So great. So great. It's great. 
<laughs> and the best part is, is that he happened to see Henry and Mary walking around and he's First like, people. crap, I thought I was gone for long enough that she would be gone by now. He purposefully he stayed away. He purposefully yeah. stayed away extra time so he wouldn't have to see her. Exactly. He's, he flat out says that. And, you know, here we go again. But she's Henry being fucking nice. shit up. But she's being nice to him. Like, she waves to him and he's like, oh, okay. Maybe there's hope. <laughs> like, he just keeps getting sucked back in. Edmund! It's because they don't communicate. <sighs> but that's all we see between he- uh, Edmund and uh, Mary. Yeah. Because uh, Mary is, like, not in this. She's never invited over. Uh- <laughs> now, this is Henry and Fanny time, <laughs> which nobody yeah. wants. Well, so then, because Edmund is home and everybody's there, Henry gets invited over for dinner again. Yes. And Fanny has to awkwardly sit there and deal with his crap. And she's trying to, like, pull away and everything like that. Well, first, Edmund finds out about William's promotion. And then Edmund gets told privately by Sir Thomas about Henry's proposal. Mm-hmm. And Edmund is, like, happy about it. And then he right. sees, he like takes the dinner that you're talking about to observe what's going on. And mm-hmm. this, the dinner to what happens after the dinner in the parlor is just like a whole fucking shit show. Well, so one of the things with Edmunds and being happy about this potential marriage is that he knows the type of person that Henry is. Or at least he should know. But he was so distracted by Mary throughout that whole thing, throughout the shrubbery, throughout the play that did he actually pay attention? Cause it's sounding like he wasn't paying attention. It's sounding like he doesn't think that Henry is the trash king that he is. No, he has to. I feel like he knew cause he didn't want them to do the play and the whole thing with Mariah like, but here's the thing. He didn't want them to do the play because the play was scandalous, not because Mariah would be acting opposite of Henry. But then he would see them acting. I don't know. I feel like. Is Edmund really this dumb? He must be. See, I told you. He's like, he's a <laughs> boy. He doesn't understand. He doesn't understand. He clearly he doesn't understand because like he comes in and he like goes to Fanny and he like takes her hand again. Here we go. Touching. Mm -hmm. Takes her hand and Fanny's like, oh my God, he's going to tell me he loves me. (laughs) (laughs) And he doesn't. He's like, Fanny, I'm so glad that Harry Crawford made this proposal to you. I'm kind of shocked that you didn't take it. This is going to be really good for you. And Fanny's like, what? I will say this about touching between Fanny and Edmund, though. Because they're family, it's a little less of a, get that. Of a thing. But, like, but Fanny isn't taking it that no, way. No, of course not. <laughs> um, I just, I don't know. Like, this whole part, you're just like, where's Edmund? When Edmund gets home, Edmund will put a stop to this. Where is he? Where is he? And then he gets home and he doesn't. And I just feel like if you don't know this story, and like also if it was like the first time you're reading it, like especially like back when it was written, I feel like this would be such a terrible blow. This is just like it. It, it has been. <sighs> I'm just like, why? What? The, like the, throughout this whole last section, I'm sitting here like, why is Edmund just sitting around and not doing anything? Like he isn't keeping Fanny away from Henry. He isn't trying to take Henry's attention away from Fanny or anything like that. He's literally indulging. No more, oh, Henry. He's encouraging. 
he is yeah. encouraging because he's like, you know, he sees Henry's looks and he's like seeing Fanny's and like he's seeing how like Henry's trying to engage her. And mm-hmm. like this is the scene where Henry figures out how he's going to make her fall in love with him. And it's not through all of his usual tricks and schemes that work with every woman, which come on, Henry, you know, she's not every woman. You, sh- if you really wanted to do this right from the beginning. You shouldn't have done all the stuff you usually do. You literally, yeah, you literally said that at the beginning when you were like, I'm going to stay here and flirt with her. Like you knew she wasn't other people. Yeah. From the beginning. Exactly. So he like starts reading. And, like, this is in the movie, too, so it's really exciting to see. But he starts, yeah. <laughs> he starts he reading. He starts reading aloud. He starts reading Henry VIII mm-hmm. aloud. And I will point out that there's another fun little note um, about the fact that Austin chose Henry VIII. Because Henry VIII is one of Shakespeare's least performed plays because there is no plot. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of politics mm-hmm. about royalty and everything like that. Mm-hmm. And a lot of really, really long speeches, yes. which Henry really enjoys because it gives him the opportunity to stand up in front of a bunch of people and do something he is good at and get the praise. Now, here's the funny thing that Austin is poking at. Just as Henry has been wooing one woman after another, so Henry VIII is most notorious for going through one wife after another. Yep. Good connection. In the movie, he's not reading Henry VIII, but he's reading in general. Yes, like, well, this is thing. Henry VIII. Yes. Um. So, like, and Fanny's, like, entranced because we know she thought he was a good actor at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And, like, she's, like, really into it. And he looks up and he sees she's really into it. And he's like, this is how I do it. <laughs> and she sees him looking and she's like, oh shit. <laughs> I'm in trouble. <laughs> and like him and Edmund start like talking about things and like they're doing it in a way that is making Fanny like listen and like she gets brought into it and like she'll do like little things and he'll go over and be like, what? Why'd you say that? What'd you say? Did you say something? I didn't say anything. Are you sure? Are you sure you didn't say anything? Okay. And then he goes back and talks. He's like, what? You shook your head. I saw you shake your head. Come on. We're going to talk about this. We're going to talk it out. Um, But there's this line in this section before we get into all of that, that was, is just the most scandalous thing ever. Okay. Are you ready? Yeah. It's so scandalous. I like audibly went <laughs> when I read it. <laughs> So he reads from Henry VIII. Lady Bertram is there and she's like praising him for how well mm-hmm. he reads. And she's like, mm-hmm. oh, you must get a theater in her house for sure. You'll have a theater in Norfolk for sure, for sure. You must fit it up with a theater. And he says, do you, ma'am? No, no, that will never be. Your ladyship is quite mistaken. No theater at Everingham. Oh, no. And he looked at Fanny with an expressive smile, which evidently meant that lady will never allow a theater in Everingham. <laughs> that is very scandalous. so scandalous. Like now, in front of is... everybody, and everybody knows what that look means. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Fanny's like, mm-hmm. she just all she did in response to that was like, go back to her work as like quicker as ever. It's like, oh god, oh god, oh god. Now here is even more of a scandalous line and it's a little more scandalous now than it was back then henry saying to fanny no it is fanny that i think of all day and dream of all night yes oh my god (laughs) that too which okay so let's put that into context he should not be using her name like that that is the big scandal that's at the time why it was big and scandalous but now it's what fanny means (laughs) 
I know. No, I know that too. But like, but no, for sure. And like, there isn't even that point. Like, because Mary Crawford, when she writes the letter to her, says, mm-hmm. my dear Fanny, I feel like I can call you that now. Mm-hmm. And she's like, nope, just call me Miss Price. We're not going to be sisters. And then like, he's doing it again at the end. And she's like, why are you calling me by my name? And he's even like, I can't call you Miss Price. How could I do that? Because you are only Fanny to me. Just like, mm-hmm. dude. Mm-hmm. Dude. Super improper. And Edmund is right there with his yeah. newspaper, not like trying not to listen. And like, he should know that this is not okay. But he's like, well, he's courting her. So all's fair in love and war. No, Edmund. No. No. Yeah. I would like to say something that I, I have come to the conclusion for, though. Because we know that Henry Crawford is a trash king. Mm-hmm. And you were talking about how one of the ways he's going to get Fanny to fall in love with him is when he was doing that speech and he's like, you know, reading and everything like that. He goes as far as contemplating the idea of becoming a part-time preacher. Yeah. So then he can get up in front of an audience and speak and be praised for it and everything like that. Uh, Boy's got a praise kink. Yeah, uh. for sure. <laughs> But, like, he doesn't want to be a preacher all the time. No. Oh, he doesn't want to actually be a preacher. No. He just wants to get up in front of an audience and speak things and let them praise him for it. Yeah. Because he not only sees, like, the praise that he's getting in this small room between Mrs. Bertram, but then also the attention he's getting from Fanny. Yeah. And he's yeah. and that's the thing, like, when he says that, oh, consistency, like, you know, I wouldn't mm-hmm. want to do it consistently. That's the thing which, which makes Fanny shake her head that he catches. And he's like oh, Fanny, why'd you shake your head? And he won't relent. And finally she's like, this is almost like a Lizzie Bennet line, even though she can't Mm -hmm. deliver it like Lizzie Bennet would. But she's like, perhaps, sir, I thought it was a pity you did not always know yourself as well as you seem to do at that moment. (laughs) Like, (laughs) she's trying to like shut him up and like insult him and he's not taking it that way. He's just like, it's kind of like, you know, when like some assholes like talking to you and being an asshole and you turn to him like you're an asshole and he's like oh I got you like it's kind of like that situation where he's like I got you Fanny all right let's keep talking about me yeah 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 exactly he's not he's not getting that she just was like dude like you don't like you don't get it you just don't get it at all and then he just sits down and starts talking to her and starts calling her by Fanny. And this whole time, Edmund is right there reading his goddamn newspaper and not doing a goddamn thing about it. Yeah. And the sad thing is, like, this is where Henry Crawford really pieces it together. He's like, oh, I can't just be, like, flirty and gallantry and showing mm-hmm. my love to you. This is what I have to do to, um, to like, tell you, force you, show you that I, that you love me. Like, I just need to, like, chill and, like, take a breather. And, like, that'll show you that I do deserve you. No, you don't deserve her. Mm-hmm. The only thing that gets her away from Henry Crawford is when tea arrives and she has to serve it because he cannot disturb her during her duties like that. Yeah. So, thank God for tea. <laughs> Ugh, I just, like, Henry Crawford is just, like, so far gone. He's, like, so crazy narcissistic. Like, he just convinces himself of all these things that are not there Mm -hmm. and like nobody can see it except fanny even edmund can't see it yeah and it's like so annoying it's so annoying this is this is a horror right here (laughs) the woman sees it all 
and, and everybody's charmed attention. and nobody believes her and she gets called crazy and ungrateful <laughs> yeah this is a horror story guys i didn't realize jane austen wrote horror she does here it is <laughs> oh no that's what it is <laughs> northanger abbey isn't her creepy book mansfield it park is. is her creepy book it for sure is <laughs> it for sure is well, I am looking forward to seeing what happens next because, like, we know that something's going to happen with Hen- Henry Crawford and Fanny. We know that something is going to happen to where this just gets thrown out the window, that he leaves, he does something. I don't know what it is. Um, and I'm ready to start seeing the Edmund-Fanny stuff coming together. Yeah. Though I have a funny feeling, given how much we have left, it might be like, a nightly Emma situation where it's kind of just like all of a sudden nightly's like, Emma, I love you. And she's like, Oh, Hey, I love you too. BT dubs. I can't live in my- all of that stuff. Uh, which was very unsatisfying in Emma. So I'm hoping that that's, yeah, I'm really hoping that this isn't as unsatisfying and ending as Emma was. So like, I know what happens in the movie, obviously very well, but I don't know how that will translate to the book because I don't feel like what happened at the end of the movie version I'm familiar with will be in this book. So, Mm -hmm. and I can't remember. (laughs) I can't remember what the scandal is that sends him away. I don't know. I don't know. I'm excited to see though. So, Next week, we will be talking about chapters 35 through 38. Yes. So another four chapter bit. Yep. And we'll see what happens. For the love of God, I hope there's less Henry. I know. Well, no. We need to. We need more Henry so that we can see, like, what happens to him. All the Can he go through with this whole... Can we go, can he at least go through with this whole thing of just not being around for a while and then coming back and causing trouble? Like, can I get a couple of chapters where we're not talking about him? I don't know. (laughs) I can't remember. I, there's, I feel like there's one big thing that happens before he goes away. And then when he goes away, something else happens. And that's, that's when the reckoning comes. But I, again, that's, based on the movie i can't remember what happens at the end of this book now and i'm embarrassed (laughs) (laughs) it's okay we'll experience it together yes until then we will see you guys next time Bye. bye Beyond Measure is hosted by me, Katrina Mayer, and me, Elle Kammerer. We're part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts you'll love at frolic.media slash podcasts. Our music was composed by Shane Ivers, and our artwork was created by the beautiful and talented Katie Keneally. You can find us wherever you listen to podcasts, or you can find us on our website at withbeyondmeasure.com. Or follow us on Instagram for all of our updates, memes, and just fun stuff. Our handle is at WBM Podcast. I'm going to say that again. It's WBM Podcast.